Please make sure Unfound's great work continues by supporting this podcast at Patreon, YouTube, or PayPal. Christopher Ray Douthit was a 24-year-old from Roanoke, Virginia. He was a roofer and father of twins. On October 25th, 2013, Christopher was due to meet a female friend at a grocery store at 5 p.m. In fact, he called her to say he was already there. However, when she arrived, Christopher could not be found. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. I can assure you that this is a coincidence that two weeks in a row, Unfound is covering a disappearance where a missing person says he was somewhere, then when people showed up, the person wasn't there. Totally a coincidence, this is just how things work out sometimes. However, dare I say, this week's disappearance is, to be technical, somewhat different than last week's. There was a prior arrangement for the person to meet with someone, and this was not a situation where somebody needed to be quote-unquote saved like Jesse Farber did. No, today we're talking about a case more like Crystal Morrison's, Kevin Newen's, Deborah Bowman's, and Shane Fell's. All people who seemed to be in their right minds, who called for rides, but when those rides showed up, No one was there, and never could I have predicted when I started Unfound that this kind of disappearance would be a thing. Well, with the disappearance of Christopher Douthit, we add into the mix that he had just walked two miles to get to the pickup location. What happened in those precious moments? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyness's website, charlieproject.org. Christopher Douthit, and yep, that's how you pronounce his last name, had a rough upbringing. Both he and his brother suffered with an alcoholic father who finally died in 2010. However, they were both close with their mother who did her best during that time. And Christopher seemed to finally be breaking away from those emotional scars in 2013 when new problems started. In February, he and his pregnant girlfriend were attacked by two men who they thought were friends. Then, in August, after the girlfriend gave birth to twins, one of them died. This was then compounded by the stress of Christopher and his girlfriend having to testify in a trial for one of those February attackers in September of 2013. So, on October 25th, 2013, a Friday, with the trial for the second attacker coming up, Christopher got off work and cashed his paycheck. He was then dropped off at a bar in Roanoke at around 4 p.m. An hour from then... Christopher was to walk to the nearby food lion to be picked up by a female friend. 
Around that time of 5 p.m., the two spoke on the phone with Christopher saying he was already at the Food Lion and that he had seen someone he knew in a truck and would be talking to that person. This friend was not named. When the woman arrived moments later, she didn't see Christopher despite searching the store and parking lot. He did not answer his phone. He was never seen again. However, nobody really reacted to Christopher's absence until Monday when he did not show up for court to testify. The second attacker was still found guilty. Although I think we've only covered one disappearance that occurred right before the missing person was to testify, within the general public, there seems to be the idea that this happens a lot. Contemplate this discrepancy while you also try to answer these three questions during the interview. Number one, what are we to make of a witness who claimed Christopher was at the bar until 8 p.m. that night? Number two, in contrast to point number one, how do we then explain Christopher's phone last pinging right down the street from the food lion about the time of 5 p.m.? And number three, just like last week, are we to believe that Christopher really did see someone in a truck who he knew? Christopher's family and even local law enforcement itself are on record saying they believe foul play occurred. The guest for this episode is Christopher's mother, Mary Douthit. Unfound news. For the Patreon and YouTube supporters out there, the next episode of Found, where I detail a missing person mystery from disappearance to discovery, will be coming out this weekend. The person? George Mallory, one of the most famous mountain climbers of the 20th century. Next, for everyone... Please be looking for the next episode of Unfound Now on the YouTube channel. A listener alerted me to a woman who recently went missing in July of 2023, and I will be taking the listener's recommendation. Finally, totally off the topic of disappearances, I'm seeing in concert Glenn Hughes, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member, and Ingve Malmsteen at a theater in downtown Clearwater this weekend. Totally pumped up for it. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the mother of Christopher Douthit, Mary Douthit. Mary, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Let's start here, as we usually do with family members. Just talk about, uh, Mary, talk a little bit about your family. Of course, Christopher is your son. How many other children do you have, and what can you say about all of them? I have one other son. Christopher it was, is the oldest, and Michael is 32. Michael, okay. And so uh, how did he and uh, Christopher, were they close? They get along well, kind of opposites or what? They were pretty close. And I'll tell you something about the doubt that the household, okay? Please. And if I, 
if I am going to be honest and truthful with you and the rest of the world, that I have to tell you the truth about Michael and Christopher's daddy, too. See, I was married, okay? Their daddy passed in 2010. Oh, my. But first of all, all we only had was the two children. That's Michael and Christopher. And Michael's the younger of the two children, and Christopher is the oldest of the two children. And the truth is, the household at the time was not the best type of household for a child to grow up in. I mean, we had some decent moments as a family. Yeah. And I guess, but for the most part, it was very, and I don't know the word to describe it, but I guess I would say kind of toxic. I see. Toxic. Okay. So it was really rocky for my boys growing up. Yeah. And Christopher was bullied in school, and then because he was bullied, he bullied his younger brother, Michael, and they were constantly getting in altercations with each other. Oh, my. And I got abused verbally and occasionally physically by my husband. And honestly, I probably needed therapy for all the agonizing abuse I was suffering through, but I never received help until way later on. Yeah. But anyway, what happened? Uh, what happened to your husband? How did he die in 2010? He had a heart attack. Oh my! And plus, he was diabetic. Okay. Yeah. And the doctors had been telling him, they said, you know, you really need to watch your weight and watch what you're eating. So that's what happened. Okay. So it was all of a sudden he uh, had a heart attack at home or at work or something, and the... he was at home. He yeah, was. That happened at home. We found him the next morning. Wow! How did Michael and Christopher react to that? They took it hard. Yeah. You sometimes it's hard for men to show emotion because I know life when my daddy, you know, and them grew up. You know, they was always taught by their dad, hey, if a tragedy happens or something, you know, happens to one of your family members, they were taught sort of like to keep it inside because men don't cry. All right, so let's uh, move on to this. Let's just talk a little bit about Christopher, about, of course, he's the missing person here. That's why we're talking. Um, a little bit about his personality, his interests, his hobbies, you know, things, you know, what can you say about your son, maybe going back to, like, when he was a teenager, if not before? Yes, because he got on up in middle school, things started changing. Now, he still did excel well in school and everything, okay, but I had talked to him all the time about the importance of not letting somebody talk you into doing something that you don't want to do that you know is not right. Yeah. And at that time, he did get some really nice friends and stuff, Ed. But some of them, I don't know the word, I guess I want to use a little shaky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was like, some of them that he shouldn't have been hanging out with. Right. But it went on and 
stuff, you know, I mean, he had, you know, like, his moments and stuff. Mm. But in the sixth grade, and I go back, I missed the wrong musical instrument. He did join the band. He played the trumpet. And really, you know, excelled at that. And then he also played the guitar. He really did good on the guitar, too. Okay. All right, so that, so music, so you would say the music was one of his interests then? Oh, yeah. He loved music and he loved working on cars and stuff. Uh huh. Okay. Very good. Uh, what about high school? Did he uh, graduate high school? What happened? What went on there? He got his GED. He did. He went to 11th grade, but he got to graduate, well, they call it like the year earlier. He got his GED. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that? What, what brought that on? I wanted him to graduate. Well, see, I tell you what brought that on. It wasn't that Christopher was spelling in school or anything. Mm-hmm. There a couple summers for a summer job working and stuff. He worked at a golf country club, okay, and he helped clean on the golf course yeah. and stuff like that, okay. We don't know if it was some of the spray that they had to use down there or what. But he got bit by something. We never did know what it was. And one side of his face and his eyes had swollen up. So we had to take him to the doctor. And the doctors and stuff confirmed that it was Mercer is what he had. And they took him, they put him in the hospital for a couple days because they had to drain it, you know, and keep a check on it. But after that, he had to be, and I can't think of what the name of the medication is, but he had to be on that for a while. Mm. Because basically with the type of Mercer that he had, there would be times that it would come back and flare up again on me. That sounds so, like uh, that sounds like Lyme disease. Yeah, and with all of that, see, I did. I wanted him to go on, you know, and graduate with his classmates. Yeah. But he went and he got his GED and stuff because, mm. you know, he just didn't feel comfortable. Being around a lot of people when his face and cheek would be swollen yeah. up like that. Right. And I'm, and, but my boys, you know, he was asking about school. They couldn't do as well as they wanted in school. Because I'm going to explain, because they get home from school. And yeah. David would be laying in the floor, passed out from drinking a lot of beer. Yeah. And he'd chug and stuff, and I'm sure David had serious issues from his childhood that were bothering him. But he should have stepped up and been a dad and see my boys, they'd arrive home from school and they'd have to see their daddy laying, you know, drunk yeah. from beer in the floor. So I don't, 
me and I don't want to talk about it anymore, but you get the no, I do. No, I, I do. Uh, the listeners, you know, I've covered over 300 disappearances. A lot of what you're saying here is not new to me or the listeners, so I don't want you to... You know, think this is the first time where you know we do we do not have virgin ears here uh, regarding these types of things. So, and I appreciate you being uh, very candid and transparent about some of this. You know, I know it's not. I know it's. I know it's. It's not easy, especially when hindsight twenty twenty type of situation. You know, you see maybe you know you know there may be different choices that could have been made. Totally get it, and I I appreciate it, Mary, that that uh, you're just uh, being as uh, thorough. I guess as you are. Uh, what about so he gets his GED? Uh, Christopher does, and uh, you said he worked at this uh, golf course. He worked on cars. What did he do for work once he got his GED? He went after he got his GED and stuff. He uh, worked on the golf courses a little bit more. I'm gonna say, oh, I guess maybe two to three months. But after that. He started working on cars. He loved working on cars. Okay. So he, he worked for a guy at a small garage, and he would help, you know, like, uh, change oil, change brakes, you know, different things. Sure. Like, every place windshield wipers or whatever. And then, also, he got into uh, roofs. kids and uh what kind of let's talk about his relationships we don't have to get too deep into women's names or anything but uh how many children did he have you know how did this all happen when how old was he when this all started happening he had he he he, he had two okay and of his own they were twins a boy wow twins But but his girlfriend she had a son from a previous relationship, okay? Yeah. But that little boy, he loved Christopher to, to death. <laughs> and Christopher loved him so much. And he treated him just like that he, that he was his own. In other words, you know, like she had given birth to him yeah. by Chris. You know what I'm right. saying? Right, I do. Yeah. But, I mean, in regard to Christopher, his personality, he was a nice person. Yeah. And he would give the shirt off his back. And he hated to see others suffering because he had suffered so much when he was younger at the hands of, you know, at the hands of his daddy. Right. But he loved hunting and fishing and riding motorbikes and 
riding four-wheelers. Now, he wasn't too into sports, but I know he enjoyed basketball. Mm-hmm. And he bought cars. He loved working on cars. And, you know, his only job he ever did was working, you know, on cars until he became a root for mm-hmm. And that's about the time he went missing. Okay. And I saw, you know, a question on there saying he was living with a woman. But he was seeing another one. You know, I just let's uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go back to him being a father. How old was he when these twins were born? I mean, twins uh, that had to be a handful. Oh, they were. He was about. Let's see. He was going on about thirty-one. They were born because see, they was born in March. Of 2013. Well, hold on, let me go back because I'm trying to get all my. <laughs> That's all right. And we just have to remember. We just have to remember. Christopher was 24 when he went missing, so he was like. Please. 24. So they was born in March of that year when he went missing. Oh, okay. But he'll be 24 because he he would turned 24. That January, and they was born in March of that wow. year of 2013. Very good. How did you uh, How did you like uh, the mother of his children? And uh, I should ask, do you have uh, Do you get to see his kids? Do you get to see these twins occasionally in these days, or what? Um, no, I don't. Uh, my personal feelings, I don't like her. Okay. And I'll tell you, because I've always felt like it. She had a hand in something happening to Christopher. Okay. And like I tell people, people ask me, and I'll tell them, it's not because I'm his mom. It's just like I got that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And you know, they say sometimes when you get them gut feelings and something don't sit or seem right, then it's true. And that's the way I feel. Okay. You know, because of the rocky relationship that they had and everything. And I'm sorry, that's just my gut feeling. And like I've told people, I said, it's not because she was his girlfriend. It's not because I was his mom. I just got that feeling that something, just like when he went missing and stuff. Okay. But the thing about him cheating, and I don't want him to be painted as a cheater, so I really, you know, yeah, I, I guess what we're saying here, Mary, is that, you know, he was in this relationship, but, uh, and we'll get into his, the actual disappearance, uh, you know, the day of his disappearance here in a bit, but, um, you know, he was, uh, there was another woman in his life at the time of his disappearance that was not the mother of his children. Right. That's okay. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, okay. And see, and see, like, he wasn't seeing another one while living with another. But Shay and him, now, Shay was the mother of his kids, okay? Okay. And, and, and Shay, that bitch, and had him, had been separated when he went to see Heather, okay? So, you know, he wasn't cheating. He wasn't like that. Okay. So I want to make, you know, that crystal clear. But Shay was. And see what happened, like I said, the twins, they were born in March, 
and David, that was, he was named after his granddaddy, okay? Yeah. So the little boy's name was David Ray Dowson Jr., but he only lived until August of that year. Oh. He was about four months old. He passed away of SID. Oh, no. He still lived, okay? But no, I don't get to see her at the reason being, a lot of people didn't understand. At the time when all this was happening with Christopher, and I had so much of that going on, you know, I was working, and then I come home and I help take care of my dad because my dad's health was starting to deteriorate to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And it was like people didn't understand. And I said, I'm working. I'm trying to take care of my dad. And I love her, but I just don't have all the love and energy I would want to put into trying to help take care of her. Right. I said, right, I'll just, right now, I've just got so much on my plate. Right. But anyway, as I heard, Deanna was put into foster care, okay? Now, this was a couple years ago. She was finally adopted. Like I said, I'm going by what I was told. She was adopted by a family, and if I'm not mistaken, and if I'm correct on this, I think they had two or three boys. Wow. And... They took her in. I think the mom was a stay-at-home mom. The dad was a professor. But I don't know, like, a professor, you know, at a college, mm-hmm. you know, what college or whatever. But they fell in love with her, and she fell in love with them. So they finally adopted her. So one of the twins uh, died in August of 2013, and the, the girl is yeah. was... Adopted by another family. Yes, that's what I was told. Okay, let's move on to. All right, so we so we have this established for 2013. Uh, You know, Christopher going through um, a very tough situation with uh, his uh, his son dying there in August. Of course, not long before Christopher uh, went missing. Let's talk though. Uh, I think a major part that we need, you know, needs to be uh, understood in this disappearance is this break-in that happened in 2013, and who did it? Why was it done? What is your understanding? And and Christopher was not alone. He was with, uh, you know, I guess the mother of his children when this happened. What went on? Well, the only thing, and like I said, when this happened, and I think this was in. January of that year, if I'm not mistaken, all this happened, you know, before he went missing. Right. My understanding was that the s'mores, one of his, uh, I don't know if that was his girlfriend or just a friend, and another guy had went over there to visit them. On a, I think it was like a Friday night, okay? Yep. I think it was a night. All I know was I think it was over the weekend. My understanding was it was someone's birthday. So they wanted to 
So what, what? So what happened during this break-in? I mean, so they, there was this fight. Everybody leaves, and then they come back. And and so what happens in, at the actual break-in? When they came back and broke in, Christopher and Shay was in their bedroom asleep. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he tried. One of the guys, see, Shay was pregnant.
who are you? Why are you breaking in here? And why are you hitting my pregnant girlfriend? You know. But anyway, I don't know if Christopher finally got a hold of the phone and called the cops or why. He was confronting them if, you know, they, if they called the cops. Okay. But anyway, they got out of there because, you know, somebody got a hold of the cops. My understanding is, and the cops were on the way. And when, you know, the cops finally got there, Christopher and her, you know, gave them all the information. What had happened, you know, a couple hours before all that. Did these guys get caught? I think they got caught. What happened between the assault and uh, him and Christopher going missing? What was the legal process? Okay, well, what happened was Derek Smalls took the fall for Brian Dawson. Okay. And remember, buddy, Brian Dawson was paid and it's Derek Smalls. Now, the trial date has been set, okay? And when he went missing on Friday the 25th, that Monday... The 28th of October is when they were going to trial about the break-in. Wow. And uh, Shay and Christopher both had, you know, had to be there and had to testify. Okay. And, and that's when Christopher went missing. He went missing on that Friday. 25th mm-hmm. before trial day on Monday. Mm-hmm. So I think so what happened that it was Derek Smalls he gave an Alfred plea at the courthouse. He did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in, in coming up to this trial date of course now you know the assault happens back in January. The trial's not going to happen until late October. Did you, during that time, speak to Christopher about him having to maybe testify in this trial? Was he nervous about it? Had he been threatened in any way? Anything like that? No, that's the thing. He wasn't nervous about it. He hadn't been threatened about it. And see, I was working, okay? Yep. Being all And he had asked me what I watched to go with him. And I, you know, just support them and all this. You sure, know, sure. Just there and be for support. And I said, of course I would. So anyway, I had got off that Sunday to go. But I knew, and that's what I kept telling them, I knew when I hadn't heard from him or seen him over that weekend. Mm-hmm. That something wasn't right because I kept telling them there is no way that he would miss court. Right. You know. So he. So just to be clear about this, Christopher was called as a witness in this trial. Yes. Okay. And and he didn't show up. And my understanding was 
I don't know she showed up or not. Because like I said, see, after they had nobody to testify, Christopher or her or whatever, they had to, you know, he just took the Alfred plea because they didn't, you know, reschedule it, you know, or anything like that. Okay. And he made a big threat, but I just don't know. Um, I just want to touch upon this very lightly. We do not have to get into it. But my understanding is Christopher did have a bit of a, a criminal history. Can you just give the, the listeners maybe just a small sample of what some of those charges were, the nature of them? Okay, well, one thing, you know, I was going back and I was telling you about, you know, getting sort of mixed up with the wrong people. You did. You um, said that. Yeah, right. At, at, at time and everything. Well, somebody had told me. Now, I don't know. I'm just stating what was told to me. That he had went with some guys on a, one night or something. And they were trespassing over on somebody's land farm that they had and Christopher had shot a horse and killed Oh my. Oh, I mean, I'm going by what was told to me. Alright. But I, I personally, I never heard anything about it. I never knew you know anything about it. Okay. And I'm like, sure, Somewhere along the line, even if it didn't come from Christopher, you know, I would have heard about it from somewhere. Yeah. Because Franklin ain't all that small, so to speak, <laughs> where a lot of people don't know. You know what I'm saying? What's going on in different areas and, you know, communities? And yeah, I do. I do. Did did uh, Christopher ever spend any time in jail for that or anything else? Not as I know of, no. Okay. All right. What about, uh, once again, just touched upon touch upon this uh, very lightly. Have, did he have any addictions, any, any drugs? You had said how his father had gotten both of the sons into smoking marijuana uh, very early on in their lives, but anything other than that? He was, yeah, he was in, you know, to uh, a little bit of pot. Yeah. And Shay, see, this is what, it, it, it breaks my heart, too, because she was into heroin, is what um, I understand. Oh, my. Okay. And she was Christopher into trouble, Ed, because she would have him go, and get it for her. Okay. And, I mean, I don't know, I've never understood, you know, why he did it, or anything, no. I guess, blind by love, you know, but then towards the end, that's what hurts the most, because he had turned his life around. You know mm. what I'm saying? I mean, and get, he was getting better on getting on the right track, and then for something like this, you know, to happen. 
And let's just be, uh, we maybe we need to keep these names state, straight. Shay is the mother of his two children, and Heather was the woman that he was meeting that day went missing. Yes. Okay, very good. I just have, all right, so let's uh, move on to uh, just some very, you, you see them right there in the outline. I, I'm going to ask them, just in general, were you concerned about Christopher in 2013? Was there anything going on with him? I realize we've covered a lot you know, in, in the first part of this interview. But overall, how are you feeling about your son, Christopher, and, you know, everything overall? And well, I was, you know, I, uh, of course, because he was in, you know, depression. He mm. was. He was depressed about breaking up. But, you know, we had talked because he asked me, he said, Mom, what would you do? if you was in this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, and I told him, I said, of course you're not probably not gonna like you know what I say. And that's okay too. But I said, you know, but then since you asked me, I'm gonna tell you you need to leave her. And I said, you can make it on your own. And he said, I got my, you know, the kids. And I said, I know that. You know, well, the little girl, because the little boy had passed. But I said, Christopher, you got to think of your well-being, too. Yeah. She's put through a lot. She's no, you know, no good for you. I mean, look at all, because she was abusive to him, too. And I had heard that from several people because sometimes when he wasn't at work and stuff and he would be off, you know, and he'd be doing work around their trailer and stuff to make improvements. Some of the neighbors said, well, God, you could hear her just screaming, you know, at him verbally. And one of them said one time that he was out there doing something to the back door and she come out there just cussing at him and said she was taking her fist and hitting him in his back and everything. And no, like, we just have to watch. We, you know, she's not here to defend herself. You know, these are you didn't see this firsthand, so we have to be very, very uh, cautious about you know putting too much of this out there. She's not here to defend herself, and this is somebody's. Who knows what the motivation might be for this person? It does sound like their their relationship was not the best, but you know, um, we'll just keep it at that. Um, but were you overall concerned? Were you overall concerned about him? Uh, you know, that's that's my con- You know, that's my um, concern here. Were you concerned about uh, you know the way his life was headed there in 2013, headed toward 2014? Yes, I was glad that he was starting to get on the right path. Okay. Because it had been a rough couple, you know, past years and stuff. And how did he react when he when his son died in August? I mean, that had to be devastating to him. It was very devastating to him. It really was. I mean... Mm-hmm. It's something you never get over completely. Right. But see, that I think that's when he started to go a lot into feeling depressed, you know? Yeah, I think that's and understandable. Yeah. He tried to get his feelings and stuff out because 
I know, you know, she was telling, she said, I don't know why he's still crying, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's it, y'all's child. I mean, this is something you're going to do for a while. And you're going to see him, you know, pictures and remember little things that you did together, and it's going to trigger it. Yep. It's something you're not going to get over. Right. How often were you seeing and talking to him? You know, let's just go to right to October of 2013. How often would you see him? How often would you talk to him? And, and where was he living at the time? Well, he, uh, I would talk to him very often. Now, he had finally left her, okay? And this was the week before he went missing. So until he could get enough uh, money saved up to get his own place, he came and stayed with me and my father that week. Okay. And how did, and how did that go? Went great. Did it? Because he seen be more at ease. He seemed to be more, you know, of his self and smiling and talking, you know, just the, as the saying goes, the old Christopher that I remember. Mm-hmm. And I would see him very, very often, almost every day, and he would stay with his brother Michael at Michael's place. Okay. And while he was staying with you for that week, I mean, was there any, like, uh, phone calls, anybody, you know, um, any arguing on the phone with anybody or anything? Or did you think that that week was pretty smooth for Christopher when he was staying with you? Yeah. All right, so so it was pretty smooth. You don't remember him... Uh, for example, the mother of his children, Colin, have any drop down argue, you know, drag out arguments, anything like that? Oh, I mean, yes, there was arguing. Excuse me, arguing on the phone. Yeah. But I don't remember who it was. Okay. And if I could guess, you know who I'd say, but that would just be, you know, guessing. Okay. Let's let's move on. Let's move up to that day, October 25th of 2013. What is your understanding about Christopher, uh, the timeline of events on that day? Uh, you know, how where he started his day, what went on to the point that he was supposed to meet, I guess, Heather somewhere, but never showed up. What is the timeline for that day? What do you know? Okay. See, she had destroyed their van, okay? Uh, I took him to work that morning. Dropped him off at Benton Roof, and it was around 6.40, okay? Mm-hmm. On the way over there, we were listening to the radio, and we were, you know, talking and laughing and singing. So when I dropped him off, I said, I love you, son. And he said, I love you too, mom, and I'll see you or I'll talk to you later. And I said, okay, so I went on to work. 
have any way. I got off. I went for a walk. Came on home that night, and I, you know, and I hadn't heard anything, you know, from him. Okay. So anyway, I knew we had to go to court, and I remember him saying to me that morning on the way, he didn't give me the man's name or say his name, and he, but he did say he said I might have some odd jobs to do tomorrow. And he said, this man wants me to come over to his house, and he wants me to do two or three odd jobs for him. And he said, to make some extra money to save, he said, I'll probably do that. So like I said, with him being 24, I didn't think nothing of it, because I figured, well, you know, Saturday came, Saturday gone, and he was, you know, helping that man do some odd jobs and stuff because he said if he wants to go on and do them, I'll probably end up spending the night, you know, and he'll bring me home. Okay, well, Sunday came. I didn't hear nothing. And I thought, well, now tomorrow's court date, and I'm off, you know, so I was waiting to hear from him to see, you know, if he wanted me to pick him up somewhere or if he was coming on back here, you know, that Sunday night stuff to go to the court. I still didn't hear nothing. Well, Monday morning comes, and I really started getting very worried because I knew when he hadn't called or he hadn't texted or come by to go to court. I knew in my heart something was wrong. Of course. Because I figured he would either want to ride with me or, you know, he maybe got a ride, a witness or something, and, you know, was just going to text me and say, hey, just go ahead and meet me, you know, at right. the courthouse. Well, nothing happened. Well, then with him not showing up, that Monday evening, the, of course, you know, that was a no-no not showing up in court. So sure. anyway, that Monday evening, here come the county sheriff, and, you know, they come knocking on the door and asking, is Christopher Douthat here? And I said, no. And they said, and who are you? And I said, I'm <laughs> his mom. Yeah. And I said, I don't know where he's at. Well, they looked at me and they said, well, we're here with a warrant to arrest him because he didn't show up for court today. And they said, do you know where he's at? And I said, no. And I said, I've been trying to contact him on his phone, but it goes to voicemail. You can't leave a voicemail mm-hmm. or nothing. Okay. So anyway, they had to search the house to make sure he wasn't, you know, hiding. But they left and they said, well, if you hear from him, you make sure that he gets up here. Well, see, then I was so it was obviously gut wrenching. Right. But see them folks at the sheriff's department. See, I went to report Christopher 
as a missing man. But they told me, you got to wait, so don't come to us about it until about another week or two. And I figured that was procedure. But however, I know now it's not, but that's what happened. So I did reporting from two weeks because, you know, they kept telling me wait. Right. They said, of course they did. He's over 18 years old and stuff. And, you know, they keep saying, well, maybe he needed some time to himself. And I said, but even if that's the case, he would have called me or he would have called his brother and said, you know, hey, I'm not going to tell you where I'm at, but I'm just letting y'all know I'm safe. So you don't have so when did you find out actually what so you of course were not you dropped them off at work but that was it but there were other people who saw him that day and when did you learn about this sequence of events where he went to work and he got his check cash and he was at this bar when did you learn about all of that how did you learn about all of that Okay, Ed, okay, Ed, so let me try to explain this. What happened was, okay, so I dropped him off at work. The time flies from there until I got to report that he was missing. When the police finally took the case and allowed him as a missing person and stuff, mm-hmm. they, um, we had talked they said, you know, they, from the timeline, they said when he got off from work that day, that one of his co-workers, and I think they left work, I think they got off maybe around 12.30 or 1 o'clock that Friday, if I'm not mistaken. So anyway, they took him up to the Kroger's in Denton, they showed him there, you know, when the police got the tapes and stuff, it showed Christopher cashing his check. Okay. Then it showed him going back outside the Kroger door. And I think it was like maybe between 3 and 3.15, he, the co-worker he was with, He asked him something about where he liked to go have a couple beers or something, and he told him that he had some stuff he needed to do. So anyway, they took him. It was right there on Campbell Avenue in Southeast in downtown Rainey. They dropped him off. It was called Chaps Tavern. Okay. My understanding is he was in there maybe for 30 minutes to an hour. They said he had one or two beers because the police went in there and talked to them because they was hoping that the cameras there from where the M&W shop was might be showing sure. when you come out to Chats Tavern, you know, showing which way you're, which direction you're going. 
Right. But yeah, anyway, they said he was in there, I think maybe close to 30 minutes to an hour. He had one to two beers. They said he sat by his cell. He didn't talk to anybody. He got up and he left. But like they told the police that when he went out the door, he was by his cell. And of course, we don't know which direction right. he was Oh, well, then they had told me, because see, he was going to meet Heather over at the food line. Okay. It's the, you know, southeast over there, all the Benetton. And she was going to come and pick him up. Well, then, because it pinged his last phone call, pinged from the food line, you know, coward thing. But then I was told, no, that it could have been because it would have covered, it was close to over there at Ninth Street and Garden City. <laughs> so then I was told he was already at Food Line. Then I was told he was walking on foot, Ninth Street, and when he had talked to her less, less the last time, he was there at the corner at the intersection of Ninth Street and Garden City. All right, so be, all right. So we have to remember most of the people do not know this area. Just in general, how far is the walk from this chap's place to the the food line? Uh, just if we were to drive it, how how long would it take? If you drive a car and you're not in a lot of traffic and stuff, let it would be about four or five minutes. Not long. But if, no, not long at all. Okay. And that's the thing that got me so confused because I had heard so many different things about that. And the last call they said, he made... We'll get it. We're going to get, I just, we'll get into this. We'll get into the last call. I'll, I'll ask you about that a little bit later. All right. So just to sum this up. So he goes to work afterwards. He gets uh, his check cashed and then he's at this bar seemingly by himself sitting there alone. I just have to ask you, is this a bar that he often went to? Your understanding is a common hangout for him or not? No, that was the first time he Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Now, so just to also set this up. So then he was supposed to meet Heather over at this food line at, at, a, at a particular time then. Yes. All right. And he didn't show up. No. Okay. Okay, and he never showed up. So let me uh, ask you some questions then about that. Did, uh, to your knowledge, of course you were not there, but uh, are, did Heather make any attempt to call him? Did she look around for him like in the food line? You know, if his phone was, you know, went dead or something. What did she do when he didn't show up? Yes, she did. Okay. What I was going to tell you, see, that's what I'm talking about. Last call he made was around five, and he called her, and this is what my understanding was. I'm over here at the food line. I'm going to be 
front, you know, waiting on you. And she said, okay, I'm on my way. I'm about 10 or 15 minutes, you know, mm -hmm. away. Okay, I'll be right here. And see, this is why everything's just so confusing because, you know, you hear one thing and then a you know, something else. But yes, she sure did. And she even went to neighboring businesses searching and searching, you know, and searching and searching to no avail at all, Ed. But she did also, not only did she do that, she took her phone and dialed his number back. Mm -hmm. And she said that it went straight to voicemail. You couldn't leave that message. He never picked it up. And she figured, well, you know, I can't, I'm going through here trying to find him. And, you know, like you said, looking, you know, to see if he dropped his phone or anything. Right. But she went there, I think she said maybe at least 15 or 20 minutes. And she said she would dial again and it would go same thing. And she said, well, I thought if he was right around here, you know, somewhere in this vicinity, if his phone wasn't dead, he would see my name and number had tried right. to call him. You know, so he would at least text me back. But she said after 30 minutes, nothing. So that was the end of it. You know that. So what you're saying is that, so in, in contrast to her being at the food line and waiting for him to show up, what she believed was that actually he did walk, he did make it from Chaps to the food line, and he was actually waiting for her. That's what, yeah, that's what I was told. Okay, so this is not a situation where she's hanging out, waiting for him to walk from the bar. Instead, seemingly, he actually made it to the food line and is waiting for her to show up. And that's what I was told. Okay. You know... All right, let me let me ask you this question. Is there, to your knowledge, uh, and by the way, I should ask you, have you ever spoken to Heather one-on-one -on -one about this? I have, and okay. she's an honest person, and even the detectives talked to her, too. And she, you know, was truthful with them. Okay, let me ask you this then. Is there any reason why... She, if she had the car and he didn't, why didn't she, I, I'm just, I know this is just the way I have to be, but why didn't she just, if, why didn't she just go pick him up at the bar? Why make him walk that mile or mile and a half, whatever? Why couldn't she just go pick him up at the bar? Why make him walk over to the food line? Because she didn't even know he was at the bar. Oh, she didn't. See, they had that day on, on, on his lunch break. And when they decided to meet up and stuff, he told her, he said, well, my boss is going to give me a ride when I get off. And he said, how about this to make it much easier? You know, we'll just meet over at the food line. Okay. So, and she took her lunch break because she was working and she had to get back, you know, to work too. But like I said, Nobody even knew that 
that he had been on the straw top at that bar until, you know, the police and stuff, you know, started mm-hmm. investigating and talking, you know, to some of Christopher's employees, and they told them that, you know, he wanted to go have some beers with some of us, but we told him we couldn't do it, we had things to do, so we just mm-hmm. dropped him off, you know, down there at the chat bar. Okay, so what you're saying is, what you're saying is Heather couldn't pick Christopher up at the bar because she didn't know he was at the bar. No, she didn't. Okay. When, When she could not find him and, you know, she looked around, he's not answering his phone and everything, did she call you? I mean, did she have your number? Did she know you well enough to say, you know, I was supposed to meet your son here at Food Line. He's not here. Do you know where he is? Anything like that? No, she didn't call me. We talked. I don't know. I, I might have called her. It might have been a week later or something. You know, mm-hmm. to ask her, you know, that she heard anything about, you know, him gone. she couldn't find him she never did actually contact you but maybe she didn't well you know you well enough or didn't want to you know I guess there's a lot of different reasons uh, that she might not have contacted you all right and so we know then that he didn't show up uh, for this court date on Monday and the sheriff comes looking for him and then finally you get uh, this police report done what kind of searches I mean this is now we're talking a couple weeks later uh, what kind of searches and, and things were done and, you know, was anybody um, talked to, you know, to maybe rule in or rule out a foul play scenario? What can you say about all that? Only thing that was done within after the, the report, they put his picture on TV about, you know, his timeline, where, you know, his last whereabouts was if anybody had seen anything or had any information to to call and stuff other than searches now because like I said all the police and the detectives did they went to food line there was no tapes working they told them oh we're sorry work work other than that they went around you know or maybe there was cameras and stuff yeah you know, on the street showing you know like him walking or whatever nothing they did go to chaps tavern because like chaps the people there they you know they showed a picture of him and they said yeah we you know remember him coming in here but like they told them said when he went out the door he was by himself and of course we don't know which direction you know he went okay and i said employees are really i didn't mean christopher's employees i mean his co-workers, co-workers sure <laughs> all right so all right so we have a situation where he's supposed to show up at food line 
seemingly does it seemingly i mean if we're to believe what he said during the phone we're going to get a little deeper into that in a moment but he's there and then when she shows up he's not there so this uh brings us to the rest of the information regarding phone information you you talked about how you tried to call him couldn't leave a message of course she was heather was trying to call him that day he's not picking up and everything have you ever seen any phone records regarding that day as to the last person that Christopher could have uh, texted or called that day? No, I haven't had, they haven't shown me anything. And listen, and see what that, it might have been a situation where he didn't want her to know he was drinking beer or didn't want her to know something. Because you know how you want to give a good impression. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how he would give a great impression without a personal automobile. <laughs> but anyway, you, okay. you, you get the picture. I do. I, I do and get I'm the picture. Kidding. Yeah. And I tell you, it, 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 it has just been a whole agonizing thing that led to his murder. And I think he was murdered. Well, well we can't. We, uh, Mary, we can't get into that for the purposes of this interview. We, we're not going to get into speculation and what, you know, and pointing fingers. We, we, we don't do that here. Uh, certainly, you know, we, we can't speculate, uh, theorizing. I'm just going to stick to the facts that we know and we don't know. So as far as phone information, you've never seen his records. You don't know who he last texted or called, anything like that. It very well may be Heather, but it could be somebody else. Not that. No phone records. I've never seen them, you know, or anything. Mm, okay. All I know is the police did put in, you know, they had to do that thing, you know, I don't know if it's called a warrant or what to, you know, put in to get subpoena. To be able, yeah, to get his phone records and stuff. And I, like I said, I think after he called her, and then Heather, you know, she got to food line and tried to call him back and stuff, you know, with no avail. I think they said that, that the last, that was the last call he made out, according to, the, you know, the phone records. Okay. By, uh, around five o'clock. And the last call he received, like I said, was from her, you mm. know, trying to where he was at. Yeah. All right. You mentioned this before, and uh, we want to just go over this again. Regarding the ping information, were police, did they ever tell you, were they able to tell where his phone last was when it was working? No. And like I said, what I was told when they got his phone records, the last ping showed over there, you know, where that cell phone tower is up from behind food line. All right. Now that was told. All right, so that would lead, I guess, us to believe that he was telling Heather the truth, that yes, he was at food line, and yes, he was waiting for her. I guess maybe the issue is that, you know, there's a lot of different places he could have been there, given that it's a city area. That's what I'm saying. Or they might have been able to tell. I don't really know. You know what I'm saying? You get the picture. I do. I do. We're just, we're doing the, but you weren't there. I wasn't there. Uh, if we were there, we would then know what happened. And then, of course, Christopher wouldn't have gone missing. 
So we we just have to best, you know, we just have to do the best we can with, you know, what we know. Uh, you had already mentioned that video from the bar and everywhere else were checked, and Christopher was not seen on any video that the police could find. We have to remember, though, this was like a couple weeks later. Right. But you said you get the picture of Christopher, so I got a question for you. What do you think the picture of my missing son, Christopher, uh, is, Ed? I don't, I don't do uh, any theorizing or speculation on, this, on these interviews publicly. All right. Uh, I, we can talk about that afterwards, but for purposes of public information, we don't do that here. All right. We're just, we just have to cover the, the facts as best as, we, best as we can. We can do that afterwards. We can do that afterwards. Uh, regarding the bar, you've already uh, stated that he didn't go there very often. Uh, did anybody say that, that he drank enough to get drunk? Was he drunk when he left, or did they say he had his senses about him when he left? Uh, my understanding is he had his senses, you know, because like I said, when the police went there, mm -hmm. because, you know, I didn't have work with the child, and you know, what he wanted to do and where they had dropped him off. When they went there to talk to them, they said, yes, they remember. They said, no, he wasn't loud. He wasn't bothering or harassing, you know, anybody. said, he wasn't drunk. Said he sat there peacefully. And they said he had maybe one or two beers. That was it. And he got up, you know, and left. Okay. So he's not, doesn't see, and doesn't. Seemed like he was drunk, so um, it seems like he would have had his senses in being able to get to the food line. Now, going to that phone call, something that you told me in a prior conversation uh, was that Christopher said he was at the food line, but he did, did he tell Heather that he saw somebody in a truck that he knew? Please explain this. The, okay, this is how it was told to me. Now, I, I don't know. Okay. My understanding was the last time he talked to Heather when he said he would be there waiting. Somebody had pulled up in a pickup truck that I know that I haven't seen in a long time. This is and but this is this is Christopher talking. He's telling Heather that there's a truck that just yes. pulled up somebody I know who I haven't seen for a long time. Yes. While I'm based on you I'm going to be here talking to them. And see, it's weird because, you know, like I said, when they went to investigate their food line and stuff, no change. They didn't work on the inside. They didn't work on the outside of the parking lot because I'm thinking, like I told them, I said, and he still hadn't been walking, and he did tell her that, and he was in the food line parking lot, so those tapes would have been working. And also, you know, on the outside, at least if they could have seen him standing, you know what I'm saying, standing there at the truck, yep. and they get ready to pull off or something, at least got the front or the rear end license plate. Right. You know, I, that wouldn't help because all they would have had to do was call DMV and it would have said, you know, who the truck was registered to. That's right. 
But just so just so we're clear on this, this is something. Is this something that Heather told you, or is this something that somebody else told you about about Christopher allegedly seeing a person in a truck that he knew? How did you find this out? Heather, Heather. and I'll say you know when the police had talked, you know, two or two, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean they had talked to her, you know, since she was gone pick him up and stuff. And, you know, so the same thing, you know, she told them. So this came from Heather. Okay, so he ran, so seemingly, if he's telling the truth, he's there, he sees somebody in a truck, but then when Heather shows up, I guess, just minutes later, he's not there. And in addition, maybe this is very important, whoever was in this truck has never come forward to say, yeah, that was me. No, because they don't know who it could have been. Right. You know, that's another strange part of the mystery. Because all we know is, you know, it was a truck. Mm-hmm. We don't know what color, what make, you okay. know, what mark, anything. Right. And I don't know, and like I told them, and I just sort of feel like in my heart, to me, and I'm just putting it out here. I think all this was a setup, and I feel like, you know, like I had had told the police and stuff before. They knew court date was coming up that Monday. They knew that he didn't work on the weekends. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my thought was, and I told them, I said, I believe in my heart it was a setup. It was somebody that wanted to harm him in some kind of way. And they knew, hey, if we don't do this on a Friday, we're not going to be able to. And, and that might sound harsh and stuff. But, I mean, those have always been sort of like my processing thoughts on it because it was somebody that did not want him to show up and be in court. And that, you know, I mean, that's the way I've always, you know, felt about it. Okay. Let me, let's, all right. I got got you. Let's move on to this, though. There's see once again, just in my reading of this, there does seem to be a little bit of a discrepancy regarding the timeline. Maybe you can resolve it. Maybe you're confused by it as well. It has to deal with him meeting. He was supposed to meet Heather at, let's say, 5 o'clock. But there are stories out there that are accepted to be fact that he was at this bar, Chaps, to as late as 8 p.m. Can you resolve any of this? Where did that come from? Do you even know that this information is out there? Not that till no 8 o'clock. Because like I said, Mm -hmm. you know, and that they said, you know, some of his co-workers that dropped him off at chat. And if I'm not mistaken, it had to be around 3. But they said he in there that long because he only had one or two beers to drink and then you know that when he got up and left and I figured okay well he's leaving you know because he knew you know he had plans with her right. at one time you know. but I think that was some 
probably just some foolish individual in the bar who had a bad reflection of the time. But like I said, I'm just going by the timeline of everything you know that I was told, you know, when the police and stuff started their investigation. Right. All right, so you are not aware, so we don't know what to make, because it's, uh, you know, anybody that's going to, anybody listening that maybe is going to read a couple articles that have been written about uh, Christopher's disappearance, they're going to see that somebody at the bar, people at the bar claimed that he could have been there, police got information saying that he could have been at the bar to as late as 8 o'clock that night. You know, and I mean, I've heard that, but I think someone with a faulty recollection might have just okay. said that. Okay. Because like I said, I'm just going by what I was told. You know, I know you are. I, I know you are. I just wanted to make sure everybody understood that there is something out there, some sort of discrepancy. Certainly somebody could have gotten something wrong, or maybe somebody's lying. That'll be up for the audience uh, to uh, to determine. But what did happen in this trial? You said that even though Christopher didn't show up, that um, this person took a plea regarding this attack and everything anyway. Yes. Okay. Was Christopher due to be, uh, on, you know, going to court for anything else regarding his his child or anything else? After this was over, he was he had just made up his mind. That, you know, after he had left Shay and stuff, he was going to go to get full custody of his daughter. Mm-hmm. All right, so what we're saying is this trial, this, this court date and everything that he was supposed to go to had nothing to do with that and had everything to do with uh, this attack that had happened right. in January of 2013. Yes. Okay, very good. Uh, but this person still, uh, do you know if this person went to jail, uh, for uh, a little while, a long while? Do you remember? I think they went to jail for a little while. It wasn't a long time. Okay. Okay. How hard has this been, Mary? Oh, uh, the last, you know, we're, com you know, uh, we're coming up on, uh, 10 years now. How long has this been? How hard has this been? And, you know, maybe I should ask you this. How has your other son, Michael, handled all this? Well, I'm telling you, I feel agony. It's agonizing. It really is. It's very agonizing. It's coming up on 10 years. I have no closure. I'm, I feel like I'm just where I was when it happened, if yeah. that makes it does. It's just the first day that this happened. I have no closure. I have, you know, no you nothing to go on, if that makes any sense. And I try, and I'm trying very, very hard not to give up hope. Yeah. But, you know, it's hard because as time goes on, you don't give up hope, but... It hurts every day, but it hurts at the same time because it's like, okay, it's another year, it's another year. And and I just don't see whoever and is responsible how they can live with their self. I really don't. 
I wouldn't wish this on anybody. And I mean anybody. What a, what I about what about Michael? How is he uh how is he dealt with all this? He's agonized too. Yeah, and it's like, you know, we cry together and everything. You know, but I mean we have to move on and you know, and I'm proud of other son Michael. I mean, he's doing extremely well in life. Good. You know, and he has a four-year degree, my son Michael does, so he's done well, and he's never asked for a dime from nobody. He's self-made, he has his own apartment, and supports me financially, and, you know, he gives huh. me money every now and then, and he, he does a lot of charity work, giving kids what they need in different countries, and Michael did a big brother program and taught a kid to play basketball and stuff. So, yeah, my son Mike is just incredible. He's a great, great man. The only thing I hate is I don't get to see my son Michael nearly though. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm proud of him. But it, it is, and it's agonizing for him too because they had their moments growing up together, but they did love each other. Right. And, you know, he's like me. It's just hard to fathom and believe that Christopher's gone, you know, and and, mm-hmm. you know, and it hurts me because I don't get to see Michael nearly enough. That's the only problem. I wish I could see Michael more. But I was going to tell you, just, yeah, and, you know, we... It, it is. It's very agonizing because, you know, you just, you know, want people to, you know, try to move forward and it's hard and holidays and when his birthday comes around, it's just, I just don't enjoy celebrating, you know? I know. It makes all the sense in the world, Mary. I know. It, I know. And I just, I don't care about them. I'm like, I wish they would go away. But Do yeah, in regard to Christopher, his personality, he was a nice person. And he would, he gives you the shirt off his back. You know, mm-hmm. and he hated this other suffering. You know, I think I told you this a little bit ago, because he, you know, suffered so much when he was younger at the hands of his daddy. But he did, he enjoyed working on cars and fishing and playing the guitar and singing and swimming and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it's sad to think when somebody starts turning their life around and then they go up.
that he'd have been ill or he'd have been in a car accident, you know, it would hurt, but you would at least have closure, you know, you would at least know what happened. But when you don't have any closure, you don't have any answers yet, and time keeps going on and on, it's hard. It yeah. really The world is. keeps spinning. The world keeps it's spinning. Terrible. It does. And you just feel like, you know, and I'm about to cry. Can we go ahead and wrap it up? <laughs> yeah, we yeah, uh, Yes, uh, I understand. Uh, why don't you give out your Facebook page, uh, any other places you are on, inter- on the internet that people can find you and information about Christopher's disappearance. Why don't you give that out right now? I know you have a Facebook page. Yes, I have a Facebook page. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, it's Missing Christopher Dowsett on Facebook. Okay. That's page so you can go to. All right. And do, you, yeah, and do you run that page or does somebody else run that page? I run that page, yes. Okay. I run that page. Okay, very good. before we complete this interview, Mary. All I want to say is to people out there, wherever you're at, you've heard anything, if you know anything, and it could be something that's so tiny and so small that you might think would not help but go ahead and call. It's the Virginia State Police. It's Sergeant Doug Hubert. And leave any kind of information that you have because you never know. It might be something that would help 
Get this cake gone. Right. Mary, uh, thank you for being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And that was my September 10th, 2023 interview with Mary Dalthit, mother of Christopher Dalthit. And once again, yes, that is how you pronounce that last name. I thank her for appearing on this episode. And yes, she is just as much the character as you heard in the interview. I like her a lot. As all of you have already probably predicted, I've made a map and route analysis video for this episode. Please find it on Unfound's YouTube channel. So, what to think? First, the trial angle. We have to recognize that Christopher's disappearance did not change the course of the trials, the convictions, or the sentencings at all. Everything went as it should. In addition, the mother of Christopher's children, Shay, did not go missing. She testified. What does this mean? Well, it could mean that Christopher's disappearance had nothing to do with the attacks from February 2013. Or someone made a calculation that keeping Christopher from testifying would keep at least the second attacker out of jail. And this person's calculations were wrong. You can all decide which choice makes more sense to you. Second, the truck angle. We must remember that this was Roanoke, where Christopher grew up and lived. So we shouldn't be too surprised that he might see someone he knew at the food line. The issue is that what are the odds that this person would then take Christopher somewhere and cause his disappearance? To add to this, I heard nothing from Mary about Christopher calling or texting anyone who would have known Christopher was at the food line that day. The only person Christopher planned to meet was that woman. So what do all of you make of this? Third, the bar angle. We cannot ignore that even though Mary did not seem to know about it, there is a report on the Charlie Project and elsewhere that Christopher was still at the bar at 8 p.m. This would then lead us to believe Christopher never had any intention of meeting his friend and that he lied to her about being at the food line and seeing that truck. And probably something else was on his mind that day that he could not mention to her. The counter to this is, witnesses are often not reliable. That the witness could be thinking of a different date. That the person wasn't Christopher who was in the bar at 8 p.m. Lots of possibilities. And I should add one more angle. There was a river between the bar and the food lion. But to hear my explanation and analysis of that, you will have to watch the map and route analysis video on YouTube. So for all of this, what do you make of it? I hope you will spend more than just a few precious moments on these topics. If you'd like to hear and read more of my in-depth analysis of the disappearance 
of Christopher Douthit, please go to patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast and sign up to partake in the unfound blog. Until then, I leave the public theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.